most important thing in shooting is like pretty much everything in life. You gotta you gotta learn the basic principles. You gotta follow them and practice them over and over and build that muscle memory up. Now I know that you appreciate some of the soreness brought on by getting busy with a bruising workout, but if you're like me, you also think it sucks when excessive soreness throws us off our game, causes us to back down on our effort, or even erases hard-won gains. That's why building recovery into our training plans is so important. Now one way that I do that is with a simple-to-use recovery and healing tool called PowerDot. PowerDot's an electrical muscle stim device that forces type 2 muscle contractions, allowing you to increase your performance, speed up recovery, and find a deeper mind-body connection. Now, I've used complicated stim devices in the past to heal from some back injuries. They were clumsy, difficult to use. I would never use them on a day-to-day basis. Now, the PowerDot, however, is a game-changer. Because of its simplicity and the ability to control it through a well-designed mobile app, it's portable and powerful, making it usable for daily recovery or as needed for excessive soreness or to ward off a potential overtraining injury. PowerDot puts professional-level physical therapy into your gritty hands, saving valuable time and money. Now, the PowerDot folks love the Seal Fit and the Unbeatable Mind mission. So they've generously offered the tribe 25% off on this great device. So you can check it out at their website at powerdot.com. That's powerdot.com. Use the code unbeatablemind, all one word, unbeatablemind at checkout to receive 25% off of one of these awesome tools for achieving increased muscle performance and recovery. Hoo-yah, PowerDot. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome to the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I do not take it for granted. I know you got lots of things on your mind and lots of things to do. So the fact that you're spending some time with me today, that's just credible and I'm humbled. So thank you very much. Uh, we got a super cool guest today, a uh, teammate of mine uh, it's from SEAL Team 5, SEAL Team 1, 2, uh, went through buds uh, about six classes after me. What you know, doing some incredible things. But before I get more into that, let me remind you if you haven't heard yet, this year I've decided to up my game regarding uh, support for veterans who are really struggling with post traumatic stress, and I'm organizing uh, something we call Burpees for Vets through my uh, Courage Foundation. My goal, check this out, is to do not personally, but with a thousand others total of 22 million burpees this year in 2018. I'm committing to 100,000. That has me up at 7, 6.30, 7 a.m. I'm cranking out my 300 burpees every morning and I'm loving it. Um, so, and I'm donating 10 cents of burpees. So I'm going to, I'm putting 10 grand into this cause. I'll probably put a lot more, but that's what I'm committing up front. So you can go to burpeesforvets.com. If this sounds interesting to you, I encourage you to check it out at least. Get the word out. Help me spread the word. I need 900 more people to join me. I've got 100 so far, about 4.5 million burpees committed. We need to get to 22 million. Why that number? Because if you didn't know this, you need to know this. 22 vets a day are committing suicide. That is unsat. 
And everybody listening to this can do something about it. Even if you don't want to do a burpee, you can't do a burpee, you never heard of a burpee, you can go support me or another team or another individual who's going to suffer alongside these vets, at least in a, in a way that, you know, will do some good. So burpees for forvets.com. Check it out. Um, it's simple, it's doable, and we can make a difference. So appreciate that. All right. Charlie Melton is um, Navy SEAL, like I said, but he's doing some incredibly cool things. And everyone, you know, that I know or that I talk to loves SEALs. And um, not all SEALs are created equal. We all have different interests and passions. And, um, you know, Charlie's passions are really cool, even to me. Like I was from upstate New York and I did some, you know, some gun hunting and, you know, rinky-dink stuff when I was younger, but I was, you know, as an officer, I never really got to, you know, to really master the craft of shooting and sniping. I never went to sniper school and I was always in awe of the the snipers and the enlisted guys who could do that kind of work. And so Charlie was a master at that and he holds a world record today we'll talk about. And he's even got a company to teach people how to shoot long guns and how to be, um, you know, how to be proficient in that really cool skill. Uh, this guy trained Chris Kyle and Marcus Luttrell as a sniper when he was in the teams as an instructor, um, you know, operated in many, many different uh, environments and, and uh, around the world, just to, super cool. So Charlie Melton, I bet that's probably, you know, um, the, the best part about the intro. He is retired. Uh, he had 10 combat deployments, uh, received Bronze Star, Purple Heart, Yada, yada, yada. Um, super cool guy. Anyways, enough said. Of course, I'm going to say that about any of my teammates, but um, super stoked to have Charlie on the show. Charlie, thanks for joining me. Um, how are you doing today? Yes, sir. I'm doing uh, excellent <clears throat> out here in uh, Louisiana doing a little duck hunting. Yeah, I understand you're down there with the Navy Special Warfare Foundation. Actually, I think they call it the Navy SEAL Foundation now. And this is uh, a program um, down there you're doing to uh, raise awareness for vets or just to help get guys together? Or what's the purpose besides that? No, it's actually Special Operations Wounded Warrior Foundation. Okay. But uh, they put on a hunt down here every year. It's a, a deal that Ron Bellin has set up. And uh, they bring that down here and totally pay for everything, take a duck hunting, goose hunting for the whole weekend. It's a, it's a pretty good uh, setup they got down here. Oh, that's cool. What fun. Sounds cold, too. Yep, it got cold. That's good for duck hunting. <laughs> so, uh, Charlie, tell me, uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about um, your your early background. Like, what, where'd you get, grow up? Where'd you, um, what got you interested in the SEAL teams? And what was your initial training kind of like? You went through class 176. So, about two years after me, I was 170. So, that must have been 1992, I'm, I'm uh, imagining. Or 91. Yes, sir. Yeah, 92. One. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I guess I grew up in a small town in Georgia, Macon, Georgia. Um, grew up kind of a little on the poor side, um, definitely in the country. I grew up hunting and always had a thing for guns. It was one of my passions since early childhood. I think I got my first BB gun or 22 when I was like five years old. <laughs> nice. So uh, I've just been shooting a lot and wanted, always wanted to join the military. I knew at a young age I wanted to join the military and become a team guy. Okay. Did you have any family in the military? Yeah, my dad did uh, eight years in the Navy, but he wasn't a team guy. Mm-hmm. Well, how'd you first so, hear yeah. about the SEALs and, and uh, start to think that that was it? My, my dad had a buddy that used to come over, and he was a team guy back in Vietnam, and he used to tell stories all the time when I was a young kid, and that's kind of what got me 
going toward the SEAL route. And, I, and of course, I did all my research on all the different special forces, but I picked the SEALs because it seemed like they had the hardest training and were the best of the best. That's a pretty common theme, I think, for team guys. They, they want to go for the hardest and challenge themselves to, you know, beyond all measure. So what was it about your childhood experiences that caused you to want to, like, go after the hardest thing you could possibly find? Um, I don't know. Maybe I had some dude growing up poor, just wanting to do great things. And I don't know, at a young age, I always knew that I wanted to be in the military or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I almost like that. So the SEALs were it for you. I and mean, what about BUDS? Uh, you were in class 176. What uh, what did you learn there? Like what were some of the big aha moments or, you know, <clears throat> biggest lessons? I'd the, yeah, I'd say the biggest lessons about BUDS is it uh, teaches you how to <clears throat> use your mind and get past anything. Right. Uh, figure out you, there's nothing impossible. You can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah. That and just the camaraderie with the teammates, the other guys that are going through with you. Yeah. It's incredible people. What was the most challenging part of Buzz for you? Swimming. I didn't know how to swim. No shit. <laughs> okay. That's most people would be kind of surprised to hear that. You go to SEAL training, you don't know how to swim. So you actually learned how to swim at Buzz or, or before in pre-training? I thought out in boot camp for SEALs and I about drowned in the pool. Guy showed me how to, I didn't never even heard of I didn't know what a side stroke was. So he showed me in the locker room there real quick. Then I went and jumped in the pool with about 150 people and about drowned the first five yards. <laughs> uh, so then after boot camp, I went to A school and uh, learned how to swim in A school and then tried out again at that and then got orders of butts. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. So what was the, um, you know, when you were at Buds, did you ever have any like challenging moments where, you know, you, you didn't think you were going to make it? Was there any evolutions that really pushed you to the edge almost? No, I don't think so. I actually enjoyed Buds. I, I had a good time. <laughs> Probably a weird thing to say how many people say that, but yeah, I enjoyed it and, uh, my big, like I said, my biggest challenge was swimming. I was starting out, I was probably last place every swim. I was always in the goon squad for the swims. And then uh, <laughs> by half buds, I was in the top five swim pairs. So no shit. That's one, one thing. Put your mind to do anything. Yeah, right. Absolutely. What was the funniest thing that, you know, one of the funniest things that happened to you at Buds? Like you, I'm, I'm sure, the, uh, you know, to me, Buds was absolutely probably the, the most historical period of my life i just absolutely loved it and had a blast but i mean you know certainly not without his challenges though yeah i think like most team guys during buds the funniest part was uh some of the funniest things during hell week you know when you're doing rowing around the world and guys just falling asleep falling out of the boat and hitting each other with paddles i think that was the most the funniest part of a uh, hell week <laughs> yeah i remember paddling around the um island the around the island paddle and this guy in front of me was paddling and then he just dropped his paddle into the ocean, but his arms kept moving <laughs> as if he was still paddling. <laughs> so I grabbed, yeah. grabbed the paddle yeah. as it went by me because I was a coxswain and I smacked him in the head with it and woke him up. And I'm like, here, you idiot. There's your paddle. <laughs> Stuff right. like that. Yeah. You're in the middle of the ocean. Right. So when you got out, you went, you got orders to SEAL Team 5, right? And um, so you went, my, first team, my first team was actually SDV Team 2. Oh no, Virginia. kidding! Okay, so you went back to Virginia Beach. Okay, what what um what kind of operation did you do there? Did you did you do anything interesting at, at uh, STV two? Yes, uh, I started out my first platoon. I was a primary pilot, so I was the primary driver. And then, uh, yeah, STVs is definitely probably one of the one of the most challenging jobs in the SEAL teams. Yeah, I think so or, too. I was at S- STV one for a while. It's a ballbuster. 
Oh yeah. You used to break ice and go on a 12 hour dive <laughs> with a wetsuit. <laughs> now let's, let's break that down a little bit for the listener. So what Charlie just said is at, at STB team two, which did more cold weather work. So I, I had it easy, Charlie. I was at STB one out in Hawaii. So <laughs> oh, you were there with Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. When we moved out there. And, uh, so even then it was cold as shit and we would go, you know, out into the deep Pacific and it was cold, but for you, Breaking, you know, to, to do it where you did it, you know, up in um, Bangor, Washington, or not Washington, but up in Maine and up in uh, probably over in Europe. But you're talking about going underwater in water that's like 50 some odd degrees or colder. And you're spending 12 hours underwater. So let's talk us through without, you know, revealing any, of course, any tactics or anything. Let's yeah. talk us through what, what that's like in terms of a mission. Yeah. So basically, well, ASDV, you guys don't know, it's basically a, a miniaturized submarine. And, uh, but it floods up with water, so you're on scuba gear. You're actually underwater. You just close the canopy, and you're totally driving. Up that right. <clears throat> yeah, so this, one of the main missions is you'll launch off a regular submarine and drive forever on the water, go in and do whatever mission you can do. It's got many capabilities. Right. But definitely some long, all you're doing is staring at a screen, and 90% of the time it's at night when you're driving. Too. Right. And so you got a pilot and navigator. You were the pilot. The list of guys. Usually, it's an officer or JO is a navigator, but not always. So yeah, they when I when I went through, it wasn't like a. It was or it was not. Wasn't Yeah. No, my my navigator was the only guy. Yeah. So what were the what's the most challenging? I mean, it was just boredom or you know staying focused? You got twelve hours underwater, staying warm. How do you stay warm? I mean, you probably didn't. Yes, yeah, stay, staying warm was the. Uh, the key part, you, you look forward to urinating on yourself or getting hypothermia. <laughs> that's what you have to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I certainly remember that. And you're wearing dry suits for those uh, that region, right? Oh, no. No. Uh, SDV2 didn't wear dry suits because if you got a pinhole in it, you'd be in the mission. Right. So we about five inches thick of rubber <laughs> that you couldn't move in. Right. I think my weight belt. 60 pounds unbelievable <laughs> yeah well that takes an incredible amount of uh patience i remember that mission and um sure she felt good to get home and spend about two hours sitting in the hot shower right oh yeah you'd get out of get out of the water at the cyclops and they'd help carry you into the shower <laughs> that, that cold water feels like it's called hot that's incredible did you do any real world operating when you were at STV Team Two? Did they were they doing any um, any tactical? No, nah, they weren't. Not at that time. No, we started the, the whole RNS type platoon, like right. snipers up. Yeah, that capability has now come full circle, and they're doing a lot of that. And so the STVs have become much more strategic and um, important asset than I think in the eighties or in nineties when we were down around there. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're doing a lot of good stuff, mothers. Okay, so after STV Team Two, is that then did you go to Team Five, or was that a? Where did you stay? No, like then this? I STV Team Two. I um had orders to Team Five, so I went back, but I had to go through S SQT right again, again. <laughs> so I was going through SQT right before I went to Team Five, and probably about a month before finishing, uh, I was in a bad car wreck. My my first wife got killed, and, uh, and I was broke up, and I could be a team guy ever again. Wow. <clears throat> so after that, 
they ended up making me an SQT instructor. So I became an SQT instructor and taught marksmanship and shooting for about two or three more years. And then I totally rehabbed myself, got back in the shape where I could do the job again. And then, uh, what kind of injuries did you have sustained in the, in the accident? And I'm sorry to hear about your wife. That sounds horrible. I couldn't imagine going through that. Definitely a, a tough thing in life. Yeah. Um, did, did it, did it, you know, did that, exp- um, let me rephrase this. How did that experience change you? Like your, your perspective and your motivations and whatnot. I mean, a lot of people could be destroyed by something like that, but it sounds like you made a full recovery and went on to do, you know, even better. So what was that like? Yeah, I think it's like anything in life you learn from everything. And, uh, it definitely makes you, makes you realize that life is short and it goes by fast and it could change in a minute. So, right. I mean, that's already my theory on life. You should live life to the fullest every day and and uh, do everything you can. Right. And what type of injuries did you have? Broken bones? You didn't have any head injuries or anything like that? Yeah, I had uh, two broken shoulders. Um, I broke three vertebrae. Um, wow. I was in a coma for, for about a month, I think. And what did you do to recover? Was there anything unique uh, that you did? Was there any mental training that you did? You know that. Uh, you know, mental training, just a lot of physical rehab and just slowly working, working my shoulders back up. Mm-hmm. Or the worst. So you made a full recovery while you're doing the SQT instructor gig, and then you get yes. back out in the operational world. Yep. So after I finished up that, while well, I was an SQT instructor, I did that for two years, I think, and then uh, <clears throat> the sniper school they were having some issues down there. So then they sent me down there for a year to, to be in charge of that. So I went down and uh, taught the sniper course and then mm-hmm. ended up merging the West coast sniper courses together. And then, uh, after that, I got orders to team five, finally made it to team five. Okay. <laughs> so was that the, um, was that your, the only time you've been at the sniper training for that year? Or did you go back uh, to the training command after that? No, just those that year and a half. Okay. And so it was the year that you were there that you uh, that some of the guys that people know about on this call came through the, the training. Like I mentioned earlier, Chris Kyle, who was the, the lone yeah, Chris you know, and yeah American sniper, Chris. and then Marcus Luttrell, lone survivor. We know him by their movie names. Yeah, I actually uh, I actually uh, taught SDV school for a while too. I forgot about that. In between, Did I you? taught SDV school before I went to SDV. when it was out in Cornell. Uh, yeah. Well, it was in Coronado, so I taught it there for a year, and then we moved to Panama City, Florida. Okay. So I wasn't there for that move. So I was actually a plank owner until I think they moved it to Hawaii now. I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so after so you went to five. Did you go to um, – you got to participate in the uh, Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom? Yes, Team Five was probably the one of the best deployments ever. I got to go to Ramadi, which is cool because I basically relieved – Chris was the – lead sniper when i went over we relieved it relieved their platoon mm-hmm. were you over there when jock was jocko a part of your platoon or was that uh but we relieved jocko's platoon. that's when you relieved yeah because chris was in his platoon right yeah. so tell us tell us a little bit about that like what was ramadi like when you got there and um you know what was your mission when you got there basically when we showed up to ramadi it was kind of kind of like what you think being in the teams would be like every deployment but <laughs> we got there and it was basically our main job was to just take out the al-qaeda insurgents mm-hmm. anyway we did a lot of sniper ops sniper overwatches and 
just disrupt them. At that time, it was kind of like they were they were out of control, and they said that we could never get control of it. And I think I think by the second platoon there, it was under control. Mm-hmm. And how did you know? What do you count for that? Like it was just uh, better tactics, more intelligence, uh, both of the above. I mean, pace of operations. Like how did you? take control of that city. And they had a lot of snipers. They had a lot of bad guys there. Oh yeah. I think it was a combination of all that, but just, just being, you know, you take a platoon of team guys and turn loose and let them figure out how to solve a problem. It's usually going to work out that way. And, and when we got there, we pretty much had free reign to do what we wanted. Is that right? You didn't have anyone up top telling you what missions to do. You just kind of searched your own missions, went out and figured out where yeah. the bad guys were and then went out and waited for them. Yep. Uh, at the beginning, um, toward the end, they started establishing a lot of cops and stuff and uh, changing things. That was kind of mm-hmm. when it was getting back under control, though. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, in that environment, do, do you like? Did you track how many uh, targets you took out? I mean, and, and how? I guess the way I want to back into this with Chris is how accurate is this whole story about Chris? Is you know. Uh, you know, Chris, kill uh, count and stuff like that. Yeah, he, Chris got lucky because he got he was always in the right place at the right time. So he got to do that push through Baghdad when the Marines went through there. He did a sniper watch. You know, and that's like mm-hmm. you know, he, he was always in the right place at the right time. And you think that was just luck, or was he like requested to be there? Or could have been yeah, someone think, else. Yeah, it could have been any any seal sniper. Yeah, but that's he, what I figured. Yeah, it perfect. <laughs> It's kind of like the you know this whole focus on O'Neill and you know the, the guy who shot Bin Laden. It could have been anybody. You know, it could have been any team guy who just happened to be in the, the right place at the right time. Right. I think it was a quite a few team guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. Okay, so you got out. Did you do a full twenty years? Did you get or did you retire? Because I, I saw a note from um, Allison. You you did a fifteen year career, and I wasn't sure. No, I actually did 25 years, so I've worked five years for half my pay. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so 25 years, retired. Um, when did you retire? I retired in April of 15. 2015, a couple so a couple of years ago, yeah. Well, thank you for your service, by the way. I forgot to say that. Yes, sir, thank you. So I retired in 2011, but I uh, spent a little time my last few years as a reserve officer, so I wasn't, you know, I was out only 40 days a year, roughly or so, but, um, great experience. What an incredible experience. Uh, very formative. Hey folks, I want to bring your attention to a product developed by a Navy SEAL friend of mine who was a doctor. Uh, first he was a SEAL, then he became a doctor and then he went back and worked with the SEALs. His name is Doc Parsley. Some of you might've heard of him by now. We call him the sleep doc. All these SEALs were starting to come to him and, and, you know, with these symptoms, that looked like adrenal fatigue. And so he started treating adrenal fatigue and realized that the common denominator with all these guys that they weren't sleeping. It's a pretty big problem in military spec ops with the pace of operations and combat. And these guys were just all out of whack. Cortisol was racing their body. Their hormones were depleted. And, you know, they had the, essentially the, the testosterone level of 13 year old girls is the way he jokes about it. They had a big problem. And what he found is that they were working out like madmen, but they're putting on weight. Their, you know, cognitive level was like they were drunk. Anyways, they were, they had this perception that they could perform, but they just couldn't perform anymore. And it was a real problem. So he identified that the common denominator was lack of sleep. So even an hour of not enough sleep a night over the course of a, of a year is going to lead to 14 pounds of weight gain 
and could degrade your performance by up to 30%. Throws your testosterone, your growth hormones, in, in, insulin sensitivity all out of whack. And it's going to create emotional uh, instability, decision-making um, challenges, impulse uh, control challenges, and decrease your willpower. Basically, your prefrontal cortex is compromised. So what he did is he, he went around and he, and, he, and he said, go buy this, buy this, buy this, and then you know, start taking it, and it worked. And so they said, well, this is a pain in the neck to buy all this. Can you, can you put it all together into one thing? And so that became Doc Parsley's sleep remedy. I tried this recently at our Unbeal Mind Summit, and it worked really, really well. I, I kid you not. Like I took it, and I fell asleep within 20 minutes, and uh, I didn't have any grogginess when I woke up. I thought it was great stuff. So um, I told him I wanted to uh, let my folks know about it, let you know people who are listening to this podcast know about it. And he offered everyone a 10% off. So if you want to try Doc Parsley's Sleep Re- Remedy, uh, which is essentially a, it's just a supplement. It's a nutritional supplement. It's all natural stuff, which creates a normal cascade of the physiological things that are supposed to happen when um, you're going to go to sleep. But a lot of us don't have that cascade or don't have that stuff happening anymore because of our lifestyle. So this will kind of stimulate um, proper you know, preparation for sleep and, and, the, and the sleep cycles. Um, he has an unlimited, no questions asked, money back guarantee. Um, you can't beat that. So go to docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, all, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND, when you check out to get 10% off. And uh, highly recommend it. Ooh, yeah. Now that you're out, you, you went back, you, you know, basically you still kept your passion for shooting. So tell us about what you do right now. And um, you got a, I think you got a world record, don't you, as far as the longest shot to hit a, a, a steel target? Yes, sir. We did a, back in September, we did, we hit 5,000 yards. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's, Definitely a far shot. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Now that must have been yeah. like a picture perfect day. No wind, you know. Oh no, we had winds, direction, all kind of stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah. Every five rounds, we had to let it cool down. Winds would change, so it was definitely challenging. <laughs> yeah, I remember struggling just to hit a thousand meter target or yard target. What's the standard like when you do sniper training in the seals? What do you? What's your? Um, you know, kind of your baseline, where you're trying to get guys good at, what kind of range? Yeah, well, well I have a company now uh, called Charlie Mike Precision, and I actually teach long-range shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we teach guys and basically shoot from 100 out to 1,000 every 100 yards. Okay. And then teach them about installing all the basic principles of marksmanship. And, uh, right. Just how There's no real business yards. teaching someone beyond 1,000 yards because it's just, you know, it's a crapshoot after that, right? Nowadays it is because – the, the new guns they got out, all those six millimeter rounds, you can you can shoot fifteen hundred now. Is that right? Consistently, yeah. So tell me, give the um, give me also because I'm not a of any stretch of imagination a good shooter with a long gun. But a, what are the most important things you know to to learn or to to uh, do? I guess to I be able to do that. Most important thing in shooting is. Just like pretty much everything in life, you gotta you gotta learn your basic principles. You gotta follow them and practice them over and over and build that muscle memory up. Mm-hmm. That's the most important part of shooting and probably anything. If you don't have principles to go off of, then it's hard to figure something out. Yeah, 
And, and what are those basic principles for shooting a long gun? I teach uh, seven basic principles. So it starts with your body position and then your grip, and your sight alignment, sight picture, breathing, trigger control, and follow through. Mm-hmm. And let's and talk about the breathing. Um, how does that play out when you're taking a shot? What's the breathing, the breathing pattern? Yeah, if you'll notice, if you're just sitting around breathing, you have a thing called a respiratory pause. So when, you're, when you exhale, your body has a natural three to five second pause before you inhale. Mm-hmm. And that's where you want to break your trigger. So on the exhale, and why on the exhale instead of the inhale pause? Because when you exhale, you, that body's in, it exhales, you exhale at the exact same spot every time. So your body's in the exact same position. And mm-hmm. people have different, some people teach to take a half breath or whatever, but. My theory is that you can't take a half a breath at the same spot every time. So mm-hmm. I get you always want to have that uh, solid spot that's the same every time. That's the key to shooting good mm-hmm. is doing everything the same every time. Mm-hmm. And with your students, what do you think of those seven steps? You know, what's the hardest one for them to learn or where do they people get stuck? The, I think the hardest is trigger control. Once you master that, it's good. People are always anticipating the shot, jerking the trigger or pushing mm-hmm. the gun. Yeah, I'd say I'd say uh, trigger control is a big one. Yeah, so the, so if I think about that, what I used to try, and I I'm not saying I was successful at this, but to try to be surprised by the shot, like you know, you pull the trigger so gently, you don't anticipate it because, like you said, if you anticipate it, you're going to jerk forward, backward, or even just having your mind thinking about it is not. It's like Zen in the art of you know weaponry. You just be surprised by it. Like, whoa, there it is. Yep. You definitely have to practice it over and over because, yeah, especially once you start getting recoil and percussion, and then you start doing it more and more. So definitely that's you want to make sure you're pulling that thing straight back and nice and easy every shot. Yeah. When you were um, really in the shit and sniper, you know, sniping, like doing it for real, which not many people get to do, right? They get to train it and – maybe fantasize about it, but you actually got to do it. How many rounds, you know, could you like, what was the periodicity of the shots? And let's say you had a bad guy and you missed the first shot. How, let me start there. How quickly could you, was that it? You know, the guy, did you, was that your only shot or did you often get a second shot? No, over there, you often, it was all urban stuff. So you'd normally get a second shot depending on if you had a sprinter or a runner. Okay. Yeah. You always have time to, Get two or three shots. And how quickly could you cycle through two rounds or two shots? With a bolt gun? Yeah. Uh, split seconds. Very yeah. quick. Yeah. And that's loading and, and you know, cocking and then taking the shot. So you have to actually expel the round and take another, put another one in, right? Yeah. I mean, but you never come off your gun or your sight picture. You just cycle the bolt. No shit. That's interesting. But we had semi-automatic sniper rifles over there too. You did. We had the SR twenty-five and the or the Mark twelve, Mark elevens. It's come a long way with that tech, huh? Yeah. Were those as accurate as the the bolt rifle? No, I, I'd say ninety-nine percent of the time, I always carried my three hundred mag. That was my preferred weapon. So now you with with Charlie Mike, you um you teach all sorts of groups. You know what can. Any anybody, a business guy listening to this, or um, a mom who wants to learn how to shoot, can they come to your training? Yes, sir. I teach anywhere, kids from five years and up, all the way up to 
business executives or anybody anybody that wants to learn. No Long kidding. Enough. <laughs> do you mix them up? I mean, does it does it matter, uh, or do you have different types? Obviously, you must have like a beginner's course and. and yeah, then, like when I have kids, I'll do a special curriculum for them. We had we had uh, eight kids come out and do like a little birthday party shooting thing. They really enjoyed it. Yeah. And do you have your own range, or do you work on someone else's property? No, we have our own range. We have a thousand acre ranch out in Texas, and uh, we have our right. range out thousand yard. And we're putting in a. 1,500, one mile, and 2,000 yard targets here next week. Mm-hmm. And whereabouts in Texas are you? We're in uh, Normandy, Texas. So we're two hours from Dallas, Houston, and Austin, right in the middle. Of That's pretty cool. So besides shooting, Charlie, what else gets you fired up in life? Uh, hanging out with good people and meeting good people. Yeah. Do you have any um, any... Uh, charitable interests or causes that you work toward? Yeah, I do. I actually do a shoot every year for the uh, Matt Axelson Foundation. We do a shoot. And right. We don't have all the proceeds of that. And, uh, I definitely, once we get the company up and running it, we'll definitely do a lot of stuff for charities too. Yeah. Axe was the guy, Axe was uh, Latrell's teammate, right? In, um, Red yeah, Wing. he was on the Red Wing. Yeah. I think was, I remember uh, him. Um, from the East Coast, or he was a West Coast guy for a while. Yep. Yeah. I think he was Team 5, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Red Hair Kid, what a neat guy. So how long has Charlie Mike been around? What, what? What? How many years have you been up? He just started a year ago. Okay. I think and that's a good thing for veterans. A lot of guys, will, as soon as they retire, they'll hop into another job right away. And uh, I was lucky I got a, a great job. I was guiding hunts and managing a 10,000 acre hunting ranch out in Texas. That nice. was a great job. So I did that for about a year and then, uh, mm-hmm. kept people asked me to, if I was going to, if I taught shooting. So finally I'm like, all right, I'll start shooting. <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah. Where'd you get the, um, did you, did you raise some money and bring some partners in to buy the ranch or how did that come by? Yeah. My partner owns the ranch. I have mm-hmm. two partners. <laughs> And uh, one owns the ranch and the other one, we're getting ready to start building custom guns. So we're fixing to open a gun shop also in Texas. Nice. Gonna, it'll be like build a bear, but build a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you come down and build your own gun and well, walk away with it, shoot it and walk away with it. No, you'll be able to pick out your barrel, your stock, your trigger, your optic, and then we'll put it together, blueprint it. And act. That's cool. Is that is that going to be under the Charlie Mike uh, Precision brand, or are you going to do a different brand for that? Nope, it'll be under Charlie Mike Precision. I love that. I want to come down and do that. You better do it online too. So, what's that? You better do it on the website too. Like go on there and build your gun. Oh no, kidding! (laughs) That's a great idea, by the way. I think that's going to be huge. So, what's the web? You have a website for that? Yeah, it's CharlieMikePrecision.com. CharlieMikePrecision.com. And what's the Charlie Mike reference suit for the people who don't know what that is? Charlie Mike's reference to continue mission. The thing mm-hmm. you always, especially being an SDV, is you would run into a bridge or something, come up with your instruments in your lap, and that's the last thing you want to hear. Let's <laughs> <Just> come over. <laughs> Charlie Mike. Yeah, you're thinking this is time to abort, and they're like, Charlie Mike, carry on. <laughs> so basically, don't give up, don't quit, and keep going. Roger that. That's awesome. That is awesome. So give me a, a geolocation in my mind for this, acre, this, this, um, 
the town you said was it Norton or what was the name of the town in Texas? It's a you know where College Station is, Texas A and M. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're forty minutes northeast of there. Okay. What's but the weather like down there? Is that is that a dry kind of uh, area or is it? No, it's a. It's very similar to where I grew up in Georgia. It's all tree, big oak trees, uh, ponds, rivers, very green all year long. There's a lot of uh, a lot of exotic hunting ranches out there, deer hunting is awesome. But it's a very small town. One traffic light, two tractor dealerships. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and do you put people up at the ranch, or do they have to stay in town when they come down there? Yeah, we put them up at the ranch, and eventually we're going to build some nice lodges around the lake out there, or mm-hmm. cabin, a big lodge. Um, but to be honest with you, most of my courses I've been teaching this, this last year has been other places. So I teach all over the U.S. You do? Yeah. So you, you under that brand, you have an MTT, or you teach for other people? No, I teach under my brand. Yeah. Huh. i got to hook you up with um, the guy who runs our SealFit alumni events. Cool. Um, what's, you know, just, again, for the person who's thinking, man, I really ought to go learn how to shoot. How long are your courses and what do they cost, generally speaking? My long-range course is uh, $1,000 and it's two days long. Okay. That's pretty reasonable. And that includes lodging. Yep, that's lodging. Mills, everything. Right on. Awesome. And you can, if you don't have your own gun, you can come out and we can rent you a gun. You can rent a gun or right. obviously people that are long distance shooting are going to want to uh, have their own weapons to get the dope on them and stuff. But right. Right. A lot, of, a lot of guys, if they're just getting into it, then you might want to come out and try out a couple different guns and see what you like. What you don't like. Right on. Very cool. And what's your uh, biggest goal or initiative for 2018? My biggest goal is to get this company up and running and turn in a profit. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice, huh? Yeah. And you're yeah. you're the technical guy. Uh, one of your other partners is the business guy, and one of them on the land. Is that how it works? Yeah, both of my partners are engineers. So the one guy, he's going to be our main gun builder, and uh, I have a probably one of the top one of the top three best gun builders in the world, Brad Stair. He owns a uh, performance guns or Tejas rifles, and uh. Mm-hmm. He's basically going to train my guys up how to accurize and blueprint guns. So he's an awesome guy. Builds builds great weapons and rounds. He's the guy that built the gun that I shot the 5,000 yards with. No kidding. That's cool. Yeah, he's definitely a master gun builder. He's been doing it for almost 50 years, I think, 40 years. That's incredible. Well, cool. All right, man. So that sounds awesome. Folks, if you want to go down and learn from a master, build your own gun. Learn how to shoot thousand-yard target with it. Take it home, all registered. I'm not sure how you get it across state lines. That's a whole different thing. But I'm in California. <laughs> yeah, I live in California, so I'm not sure I'd be able to do that. <laughs> Bring it back in little tiny pieces. <laughs> Boy, I pine. I wish. I wish. You know, part of me wishes I could move to Texas. Uh, you know, but I, I, lo- I live right on the coast, and it's kind of hard. You know what it's like out here. It's hard to leave. My wife is very much a Californian. I, lo- I love Texas. Yeah, you can imagine. I think Texas school. I've spent a little time in Austin. It's a really neat state. And the taxes are favorable, let's put it that way. Yeah, they got they take care of their veterans too. Do they? That's great. Well, Charlie, thanks again, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, folks, if you're interested in this type of thing, which, you know, you know the world. The world we live in is really, man, we're going through a kind of a sketchy period. 
Uh, I had a bunch of friends who were out in uh, Vegas at that, um, at that, um, concert, the country concert, when that guy started launching rounds and killing people. I'm not saying you necessarily need a long gun uh, for your own home defense, but it's a really good skill for mental toughness and focus and concentration. I think, you know, Charlie, some of the best things about long gun shooting is just what it does for your own focus and ability to control your emotions. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, um, a meditation, isn't it? It is. And the principles of marksmanship don't change, whether you're shooting a pistol, bow and arrow, rifle, long gun, all the principles. So you think um, learning how to shoot a long gun will make you better at shooting a pistol? Yes. Learn how to shoot anything. It'll get you started on that. Right. Building that. Should should someone learn the pistol before they come down and spend some time with you? Um, I would, I would start a pistol is probably the hardest to learn. Really? Okay. I start with a rifle. Do you guys do any pistol shooting? Yeah, I teach pistol courses and carbine courses. Okay. So you can do both down there. Yep. Do all three if you want. <laughs> right on. All right, man. All right. So Charlie Mike Precision.com. And uh, Charlie Melton's your guy. So reach out. Is there any way, you know, if someone was interested, they could find you through the website if they just want to ask questions, like your email yes, or somebody? Website at Charlie Mike Precision.com. My phone number is on the website. You can call that phone number. That's my direct cell. And uh, awesome. Yeah. Call or send an email. Cool. And we, we all, we're also up on all the social media stuff too, like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. All right. So someone can just Google Charlie and Mike Precision, they'll find you. Oh, yeah. That's the world we live in. It's not that hard anymore. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for what you're doing. Good luck next year. Let, let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Uh, this podcast will, will help get the word out. I'm, I know a ton of people are interested in learning how to shoot. I'm glad to have some place to send them. And, um, Love to, to reconnect in person, uh, you know, as that opportunity becomes available, whether you're out here or if I'm down in Texas. Yeah, you should definitely come out to Texas and uh, check out the range and maybe do a little shooting. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'll look at my schedule, <laughs> see if I can yeah. squeeze it in this year, but that'd be awesome. Yeah, and after you, All take, right, Charlie. What's after that? you take, our, take you on a little hog hunt too and let you employ your skills. <laughs> <laughs> you do that right on the ranch there? Or do you? Oh, yeah. We got oh, tons of cool here. Right on. Right on. Then we get to eat it. Oh, yeah. Fine, man. I am definitely in. That's awesome. Thanks again for everything and uh, appreciate you for doing this and, and for what you're doing, Charlie. Cool, man. Thank, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. You bet, buddy. Who y'all? Right. Have a good one. All right. You too, as well. All right, folks. Charlie Melton, check out his uh, long gun training and uh, learn from a master, Navy SEAL sniper teacher. Taught Trell and Chris Kyle and a ton of other amazing snipers. And what a great opportunity just to go out and hang out with world-class Navy SEAL instructors in beautiful Texas, a thousand-acre ranch. I mean, that sounds fantastic. I'd like to go do that tomorrow if I could. So I got to free up my schedule and get down there. I'll let you guys know if I'm going to go down there. Maybe we organize a little group of guys uh, to come get, down there. Don't forget great food, dude. Do you like crawfish? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't say I pine for crawfish, but if you can get me to like them, Charlie, yeah, <laughs> that'll be like awesome. We make we didn't just uh, pretty pretty good crawfish bowls. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, roasted pig, I do like that. So oh, yeah. you got me on that one. All right, folks, that's it here. Unbeatable Mind Podcast. This is Mark Devine. Thanks again for joining me. Appreciate uh, you listening, and um, 
and uh, supporting Charlie and supporting all the vets out there, especially through, if you can, if you got the courage, stepping up with the Burpees for Challenge. So check out uh, the Burpee Challenge, burpeesforvets.com. We'll see you next time. You guys rock. Stay focused, train hard, and uh, go learn how to shoot. It's an important skill. Divine out. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UTT. Oh, oh, oh.